Good morning. We will be in 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll also be in Matthew chapter 8. And so I brought two Bibles. Dale, you ever preach with two Bibles? Nope. Well, I have two. <laughs> All right, 1 Kings chapter 19. We're in the sermon series that I'm just beginning this week called Elisha and Jesus. It's called Living Out a Called Life. And Elisha isn't talked about a whole lot uh, in Bible studies and in churches because Elijah was such an important prophet. In fact, when Jesus was transfigured, who did, who did he, was he transfigured with? Moses and Elijah, right? But Elisha plays such a big part in the Old Testament. And so it's a pretty important for us to talk about his life. And his life is a called life. Let's begin with a word of prayer. It got really dark. You can switch it back. Just hit the jump button, buddy. While he's doing that, let's pray together. Father God, I'm just so grateful for your amazing grace. I'm, I'm grateful for your love. I'm grateful that we can come and call on your name. You are God. And as we study your word this morning, I pray that your wisdom and the guidance of your Holy Spirit will just lead this discussion, Father. That, Father, we can understand clearly what you have to say to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that'll work. That's much better. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. You know, we worship a sending God. God sent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to a new promised land. God sent Joseph to save Egypt. God sent Moses to set his people free. God sent the judges to save his people. And God sent the prophets to call them back. God even sent his only son to earth to die and to defeat death. We worship ascending God. And the question I have for you this morning, the one that is going to be really the foundation of our conversation, is has God sent you? Today we look at the call of Elisha. It's the story of God calling Elisha into the prophetic ministry. Let's look at that passage together, starting in 1 Kings chapter 19, and verse 19. And so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up and he threw his cloak around him. Now I want to stop there because it's a little weird, right? To our 20th century Western mind, think about it. 
Some dude rode up to me at work, and he put his jacket around me. I'd be like, whoa, man, I don't know about that. I don't know you. I don't know if you got lice. I don't know why you're putting this jacket on me. It's super weird. So let's talk about this passage within the context, because Elijah wasn't some dude. He wasn't some stranger. Elijah is a prophet who is being hunted by the king of Israel, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Elijah was very well known in that day, and he has been given strict instructions by God himself to go and anoint Elisha, to be his successor as the prophet to Israel. And it was customary in that day to throw a cloak over someone who has been called to prophetic office. Later we learn that Elisha knew exactly what this meant and what it would cost him. Now you and I aren't living in Old Testament time. No one's throwing a jacket over me while I'm plowing my field. But I think we are probably a little bit more similar to those who gathered to listen to Jesus. Oh, I'm not Jesus, but I preach Jesus. I teach Jesus. We worship Jesus. We want to learn more about this Jesus. And I believe that all of us woke up early this morning. Some of you even took a shower to come and hear about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, we hear the story of those who had gathered to hear about Jesus. Matthew leans in and he gives us a picture of those who had gathered. Let's read that passage together in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse uh, 18. When Jesus had saw that the crowd had gathered around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And when the, then a teacher of the law, he came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And so Jesus responded, Foxes have holes, Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We're told another disciple came to Jesus and said, Lord, will you first let me go and bury my father? And Jesus told him, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. There were all kinds of people who had gathered to hear, to see Jesus that day. It was a crowd so large that it caused Jesus to want to cross to the other side of the lake. Some maybe have heard about this Jesus and they wanted to see him for themselves. Some came to receive healing from Jesus. Some came just to be taught by Jesus. We're told a scribe, a teacher of the law, heard Jesus' teaching and responded to the call. Almost like an altar call 
in our day. He came forward and asked Jesus directly, can I follow you? His request is like Elijah placing his cloak over Elisha. This man was asking Jesus, throw your cloak around me. I'm ready to follow you. The scribe would then become Jesus's apprentice. He would eat, he would drink, he would sleep, he would travel wherever Jesus went. But Jesus, he senses that the man is overeager and points out the cost of disciple, points out the cost of following Jesus. Now, the other person that addresses Jesus is just called a disciple. I don't get the sense that it's one of the original 12. But he has come, obviously, to hear Jesus teach, to grow, to learn. And he also responds to Jesus' teaching with this desire to follow him. And Jesus senses that this man is not over-eager, but he's under-eager. And he points out the cost of discipleship. Following Jesus requires a choice to be wholly devoted to Jesus. As these folks gathered, some responded, but not everybody heard the call to be wholly devoted to Jesus. Back to the original story, we see this picture of Elijah spreading his cloak over Elisha. And Elisha knew what this meant. Let's read on to that story in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. We need a mic for that song. Yeah, Malachi knows. So embarrassing. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have pointed that out. It's, it's the Bible app responding to the call of Jesus. All right, let's get refocused. 1 Kings 19.20 says that Elisha left his oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, then I will come and follow you. I think it's noteworthy that Elijah responded the way he responds. He says, go back. What have I done to you? Go back. What have I done to you? I think Elijah sounds like he doesn't care. I don't think that's the case. I believe Elijah's saying, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. What have I done to you is another way of maybe saying, I didn't call you to prophetic ministry. God did. And that's an important distinction. I have two boys. One is 14. The other's about to turn 11. 
If I said to Eli, my 14-year-old, said, hey, man, go tell your brother, Charlie, put on his shoes, we're going to leave in five minutes. So Eli does what I tell him to do. He goes and tells Charlie, put on your shoes, we're about to leave in five minutes. Charlie has a decision now to respond. If he says to his brother, hey, man, I'm in the middle of the show, I'm going to finish it. What's Eli going to say? I don't care. Eli's not the one that's going to get in trouble. He did exactly what I asked him to do. He told him, go get your shoes on, Charlie. Charlie's the one that decided not to follow. Even if he cared, he couldn't do anything about it anyways because he's just the messenger. And Charlie is the one that's got to count the cost. Is it worth upsetting dad today? Right? He's the one that has to count the cost, not Eli. Elisha has to count the cost. Can I go and kiss my parents goodbye? What have I done to you? That's between Elisha and God. When I was in high school, I went with my youth minister on a college tour. Ooh. I was ready to go into ministry. I checked out several universities. One was Cincinnati Bible College. Don't look it up, it no longer exists. One was Kentucky Christian College. And I came to Johnson Bible College as well. And during that tour, I got to sleep in their beds I got to eat their food. I got to sit through some lectures. I got to meet some of the ladies. Each university provided a different experience. Now, if we go back to the passage in Matthew's gospel, I want you to notice that each of the characters had an expectation as they approached Jesus. They had an idea of what it meant to follow Jesus. That scribe was kind of like me in high school. Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? What are the nice places that we're going to get to visit? But Jesus warned him that in his university... The beds ain't soft. There are times that his disciples would go hungry. There were times where his disciples were in unsafe circumstances. Whether they were on a boat in the middle of a storm or on the night of Jesus' betrayal when a gang came looking for him with clubs. That university didn't look so good. And likewise, the disciple wanted to bury his father. It's quite possible that that man's father wasn't even dead yet or even dying. Maybe he's just concerned about dad's approval. Or, or maybe after his father died, he knew he would get his inheritance, he'd be financially secure, and now it's a safe time to follow Jesus. Oh, but Jesus says, count the cost. 
And don't worry ourselves with the things of this world. He says that our time here is fleeting and it's short. And so Elisha said, let me go and kiss my parents goodbye. But he does more than just that. Go back to the passage here in chapter 19 and read verse 21 with me. So Elisha left Elijah and he went back and he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to the ground so that he could cook that meat. He built a barbecue and he gave it to all the people of the town. He invited everyone over. Come on, we're going to have a smoked oxen tonight. And then he sent out to follow Elijah and he became his, his uh, attendant. Whew, how incredible is that? I mean, he could have rented a storage unit, put his cart, right? Tuck that stuff away. Maybe he could have hired some men to take his place so he can continue to make money. But Elisha knew this one thing. He wasn't about to return to the life of farming. He had a new calling. And he was wholly devoted, so much so he left nothing behind. No temptation to go back to be a farmer. No, he threw a big feast with his oxen. He burned his plow. As Martin Luther once said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Elisha was wholly devoted to God and his call on his life. So what happened to that scribe? What happened to that teacher of the law? What happened to that disciple who wanted to follow Jesus, who responded to Jesus' teaching and said, I want to follow you? I don't know. The rest of the passage says in verse 23 that <laughs> Jesus got in a boat and his disciples followed him. I don't know. But those who became disciples followed Jesus into that boat. You read on in that story, it wasn't a fun boat ride, it wasn't a cruise to Casumel, it was a storm. I think it's noteworthy. I kind of like that Matthew left it open-ended. Did the scribe become a disciple? Did the unnamed disciple continue following Jesus? Or did he go back home to his dad? All we're told is that those who followed Jesus followed him onto the boat. I stole this illustration from Chuck Swindoll. I say that so I don't get sued for copyright infringement, but you need to hear this story. Let's say that you own a very important and successful company. 
And now you've got the most amazing, uh, the most amazing opportunity to take your company overseas. You're going to go global. And so you hire Jeremy Cox to run your USA branch while you go to London and start out on this new global market. You know what? It's going to take a year. And so you decide to communicate to me throughout that year what to do while I'm here in the United States. One year later, you come back, you pull into the parking lot, and there's only a couple cars. Where is everybody? The lawn hasn't been cut. The employees aren't working. You walk in and find the reception is watching TikTok on her phone. And what's my excuse? So you come to me and you're like, hey, man, I've been sending you emails every week telling you how to live out this, this company here in the United States. Well, I've been having staff meetings, I told them. We meet every week. And we talk about those emails. We read those emails out loud. You know, we got some small groups that get together. Some folks have even memorized your emails. Look, I made one into a poster and put it up here on the wall. Nobody's doing anything about them emails. You know, I think what this passage teaches us is that you can only gather and learn about Jesus for so long. You can only gather and learn about Jesus for so long. Eventually, you've got to accept the call and decide, am I going to be wholly devoted to him? Eventually, you will face the call to follow him, and you will learn that following Jesus means more than just reading his emails. It means more than just meditating on his scripture. It means more than having two Bibles when you preach. It means more than making his scripture into posters. It means more than memorizing. It means that if we want to follow Jesus, as the priest Daniel Barrington once said, if you want to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. He said in Matthew chapter 16 that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. Can anyone even exchange for their soul? If you want to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. I have a cloak ready for you this morning. And what's your excuse? 
Maybe you enjoy the comfy life of casual Christianity. You like to come and learn and hear and memorize. But there's no pressures during the week. And meanwhile, you can cash that ticket in for the free ride to heaven. But Jesus is calling you to so much more. He's calling you to burn your plow, to slaughter your oxen, to follow Jesus. It's a life of growing in him, reflecting the image where we live, work, and play. Or or maybe you're just waiting for that right moment. If I could just shore up my retirement. I have some folks who really depend on me. I can't let them down. But Jesus is calling you to so much more. Burn the plow. Slaughter the oxen and come and follow Jesus. It is a life of growing in him and reflecting his image where you live work, and play. And I have that cloak ready for you this morning. I'm throwing it on your shoulders today. Come and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I don't know where everyone stands here this morning. I just know that your word is true. I know that the examples that you gave where Elisha gave up everything and two disciples couldn't do it is a good example, a good reminder to me this morning of what you've called me to do. And I pray, Lord, that as we ponder that truth, as we meditate on that truth, I pray that it will help us to be called to so much more. Convict our hearts this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.